You're listening to the McKinsey on Consumer and Retail podcast, featuring wide-ranging conversations on the topics that matter most in the consumer and retail industries. I'm your host, Monica Toriello. If over the past two years or so, you have not thought about getting a new job or have not reevaluated the role that work plays in your life, it's probably safe to say that you are in the minority. A record number of employees have quit their jobs since the beginning of the pandemic, and many are thinking about doing so over the next few months, a phenomenon that's been given lots of names, including the great attrition. Some call it the great resignation or the great renegotiation. Regardless of what you choose to call it, the fact is that if companies make a concerted effort to better understand why employees are quitting, and if they take meaningful action to retain them, they can flip the script and the great attrition can become for them the great attraction. In September 2021, McKinsey conducted its first great attrition survey, and recently that research has been updated with a deeper dive into certain areas. And today we'll talk specifically about one part of the U.S. economy that's been most affected by the great attrition, and that is frontline retail. And to share with us their insights from this latest research are three McKinsey retail leaders. So let me quickly introduce them. Brian Logan is a partner based in McKinsey's Chicago office. He helps lead McKinsey's work in retail organizations and advises companies on a variety of people-related topics, but also marketing and sales topics. Thanks for joining us today, Brian. Hi, Monica. It's great to be here. Like Brian, David Fuller is based in Chicago. He is an associate partner, also a leader in McKinsey's work on retail organizations. He advises companies on a range of topics, including operating model, talent strategy, and organizational structure. Welcome, David. Thanks for having me. And last but not least, Annie Valkova is an associate partner and a leader in the retail operations practice, where she advises companies on things like customer and employee experience, frontline capability building and change management, and workload simplification. Annie is also based in Chicago. Thank you for being here, Annie. Thank you for having me. So before we dig into the research that you did, give us a sense of the scale of the problem, right? Because retail CEOs are dealing with enormous challenges, inflation, supply chain disruptions, and so on. Where should attrition be on the CEO agenda and why? Monica, we've cut this problem so many different ways. And it's remarkable. Any way you look at it, the magnitude of it is just overwhelming. First, just look at the employee base. One out of every five workers in the United States is employed by this sector, retail, restaurants, and hospitality. 30 million workers work in this sector. So this isn't just a, uh, a retail, restaurants, and hospitality problem. It's also an American problem. If we actually look at uh, how pleased these workers are, how likely they are to leave, um, their likelihood to leave in this particular sector, their quit rate, um, as the government data calls it, the quit rate is almost two times as high as the national average in other sectors. So this is a group that's massive, that's leaving their jobs much more often than any other sector. And as we look forward to the likelihood that they might leave their jobs uh, in the future, they also report an almost 30% higher likelihood to leave their jobs than we're seeing in other sectors. So this has massive implications for uh, certainly the, the overall U.S. economy, but for the retail, restaurant, and hospitality leaders that we talk to, we also know that there's a linkage to bottom line performance and the customer experience and 
so many other factors uh, that we all experience as as consumers on a daily basis. So any way you look at it, Monica, it's a, it's a pretty massive uh, problem to, to figure out. There's actually a lot of value at stake as well. So as Brian was saying, we've cut this a million ways. Let's just take one example. If you look at restaurants, the restaurant retailers who do this well have created such a wide moat to the rest of their peers that they're in line, Monica, as you said, to go win the great attraction. Their employees report 15 to 30% higher job satisfaction. Their employees are 2x more motivated in their day-to-day jobs. And most importantly, at the end of the line, this translates into outcomes. Retailers with lower frontline turnover have higher comp sales by three percentage points. So not only should this be at the top of the priority list because of this competition for talent and the fact that employees are looking for new jobs, it actually translates into business results. So tell me what you found. What are the highlights from the research? What was surprising to you? And which of the findings do you feel are most consequential for retailers? In this survey of over a thousand frontline retail employees in the United States across all retail sectors and formats, so we're talking grocery, big box, restaurants, apparel, a few things really stood out. First, we just looked at what are the drivers of why people might choose to leave their frontline retail jobs. The number one was flexibility. And we should come back to that one because it's really, really interesting for a number of reasons. The next two uh, to round out the top three are career development and health and well being. So, as of now, you have flexibility, career and development, health and well being, with one conspicuous absence, which actually comes in fourth, which is compensation. And to round out the top five, you have meaningful work. One of the things that's interesting about that right off the bat is this notion of compensation and minimum wage really grabs attention in the headlines. And it definitely is important, but it's not actually the most important. And a real myopic focus just on pay is gonna leave you out in the cold during this great attrition, great attraction. Employees in frontline retail are looking for a broader range of things. Two reasons why this is so notable. The first is when you compare this to other industries, flexibility really jumps out as unique. It's actually the only industry and sector where flexibility ranks as the number one driver of why you might leave your job. And this is a little bit of counterintuitive given if you think about a frontline retail job, you have to be in the store or in the grocery store or helping customers. So that's one. Then the second is if you actually look at the range of drivers of why folks are leaving their jobs. In other industries, usually you have one or two drivers really pop. The list for frontline retail is a lot longer. The top reasons. So the top five that we laid out are actually all really, really important in a way that other sectors don't have. In fact, in frontline retail, the top seven or eight drivers are really critical elements. That's interesting. And yes, let's talk about flexibility, because as you said, David, the opportunities for building flexibility into a retail frontline job aren't immediately obvious, right? Given that frontline employees have to be physically in the store helping customers. What are some creative ways that retailers are offering flexibility? For frontline retail, what flexibility means is predictable schedules, predictable hours, flexibility to choose the days when I'm working and when I start working. 
independence and control um, over how I do my work. Um, and they might sound simple, but they've been around for, for quite some time. We've seen these even before the pandemic where employees are looking to have more control over both when they're doing their job and how they're doing their job. And they're really impacted by that. And so what we are seeing now is I think they're kind of higher willingness to speak up, but that importance popping up, as David said, more important than anywhere else. And that isn't to say that if compensation landed as, as number three or four, it isn't important. It is more to say at this point, just compensation isn't what's keeping them, right? They have more options. Uh, and so if compensation becomes table stakes, they're looking for all these additional pieces like well-being, like flexibility um, to stay at a job versus go look for a new one. There's one example that comes to mind for me that I, I just think is... Uh remarkable on this flexibility front. You know, we, we've heard a lot over the last few years about the rise of the gig economy and the flexibility that gig work provides for workers. And as a result, workers have dropped out of the traditional workforce in high numbers to, to take on gig jobs and piece together a schedule that works for, for them. Well, there's one particular retailer, a large format retailer, that has essentially created a gig workforce, a gig economy within their own workers. And what that looks like is a set of choices for every worker in stores about what job do I want to do on this particular day? Would I like to work at the cash register and check customers out on this particular day? Or would I rather work in the back room or stock shelves? Would I like to consult and sell products to customers? It's a remarkable set of choices that employees now have to select the work that they want to do on a particular day. And by the way, their pay will change commensurate with the job that they select on that particular day and how many hours they work, so long as they're trained for that particular capability. They've seen a massive improvement in retention rate after they rolled this out over the course of the last year. Uh, a lot of this based off of research they had done with their own employees in their own workforce and understanding and reaching the same conclusion that flexibility really mattered for them. So the desire for more flexibility is the number one reason that retail frontline workers go looking for a new job. But the number two reason is career development. And as you said earlier, David, there are a bunch of other reasons. And your research revealed that there are different motivators for different segments of the retail frontline workforce, right? Different aspects of the employee experience are more important to younger employees versus older employees, for example. Say more about those differences. We said in the beginning, this is this is a massive workforce and it is there are different pockets within it. And what employees care about is different, right, across retailers, but also within each retailer based on what your employee base looks like. And when we look at the research, we see some of these differences pop up when we look at age, for example. And so we see employees that are under 35 are actually less likely to quit than employees that are over 45. But for them, career development is one and a half times more important than it is for employees over 45. And so it becomes a question of how do you keep and cultivate them and, and create those pathways for them to get that career development if they're high performing so that they don't leave, given especially that they, you know, they're less likely to if you manage to, to meet that requirement versus employees over 45. And they're much more focused on that supportive environment at that point in their life and their career. And so how can you create that value proposition that meets the, the needs of both and keeps both um, from going in and switching employers? 
Another way we looked at this is to look at the differences between what is driving men versus women to stay or um, change their jobs. And what we see there is while flexibility remains the top reason uh, why men leave their jobs, for women, things like supportive leaders and health and well-being are as important or even more important than flexibility. And I think this is where we start to get to the, the realities of frontline retail and, and the population in it. Um, and what else has happened in their lives over the past two to three years with the pandemic. Um, the lack of childcare, more recently macro uncertainty. We know from McKinsey's broader research, um, actually on the women in the workplace, uh, that burnout has escalated much more among women than among men. And so that is starting to explain some of that, some of the complication, if you wish, right? That flexibility still matters to women, but there are other things like well-being and like supportive leadership um, that is driving them to leave their jobs much more than, than it drives men. And so that becomes another dimension that retailers need to focus on when they think about how do we keep half of our population or more actually in frontline retail to stay versus quit their jobs. Right. And another dimension that retailers need to think about is, according to your research, managers versus non-managers, because there are differences there as well when it comes to you know, what's important to a manager versus what's important to a non-manager. And there are differences in the likelihood that they'll quit their job and so on, right? Managers are actually more likely to leave, right? They have more options to leave. They're more likely to leave their frontline retail jobs. And for them, flexibility is even more important than what we see on average. So that ability to have those predictable schedules and that ability to have independence in, at least some independence in, in how they do their work, their work and when they do their work. Versus we'd see non-managers looking for career development and actually ranking compensation a little bit higher. And so it kind of, it's another way to get to the point around for high-performing employees, retailers need to create pathways for that talent bench to be able to retain them. But then once they become managers, it becomes a different set of things that's keeping employees from leaving. And so how do you as an employer balance the, the needs of those two cohorts? I just want to pause on this notion of manager versus non-manager. The rates of managers who have self-identified that they're planning to leave in the next three to six months is 63%. That's a really alarming number for a lot of different reasons. Managers tend to be the center of gravity of your stores. They drive culture of their stores. They've also been a great sponge for a lot of good reasons about a lot of the career development opportunities. We've invested behind this cohort so much. This is a cohort who needs a lot of attention, a lot of focus from a lot of different angles. Okay, David. So we've got managers that are thinking about leaving at a rate of 63% compared to non-managers thinking about leaving at 36%. So we have this massive divide between managers and non-managers. Managers seem less satisfied. They're more likely to leave. And yet, if you look at what matters most to the non-managers, it's a lot of things that managers control. It's things like career development. It's inspiring leadership. It's meaningful work. And so we have this interesting juxtaposition where the non-managers' satisfaction is largely based on a group of people, the managers, who themselves aren't very satisfied and are thinking about leaving. So it really gets to this point of understanding what matters to the manager and the role of the manager in the workplace, in particular in frontline retail, cannot be overstated. And understanding what really matters to them 
will have cascading effects, not just in retaining them, but also creating the right environment for their entire employee base. This is an acute problem to work on right now. There's no time to wait on this. And the first step there is typically go out and listen to your managers. What do they want? That can take a lot of different forms. That could be a listening tour, that could be a series of interviews, or that can be a more structured, robust survey. But that is a population who is in critical need. A lot of it gets down to empowering managers. And it might be a silly example, but one retailer had these very restrictive policies about who could open and close the cash register at the beginning of the day. And it had to be a full-time manager of a store. And that was usually one or two per location. What that means is the manager had to be there before the doors opened and had to be there to lock the cash registers after the doors closed. If you think about that combined with, I want flexible start and stop times, they're irreconcilable. And what they found is they actually had shift managers who were empowered to lead and be the most tenured person in store for hours or parts of the day who weren't allowed to just use the key that's sitting on their hip to turn a key. And that's a simple intervention, but it actually makes a profound difference in the life of a manager. How can you find those little pain points that are actually really grating in somebody's day-to-day life? That's a great example of a very specific concrete intervention that seems so small, but could really transform the employee experience. And you can imagine that CEOs and CHROs across the country have already been thinking about some of the things that we've been discussing today. Flexibility, you know, career development, health and well-being, et cetera. But what should they be doing today? Like if they were going to take away one thing from listening to you all talk about this, what would that one thing be? One of the really interesting elements that we noticed. And one of the reasons we really wanted to push to frontline retail is if you just read the newspapers, there's all these articles and focus on how COVID has changed the workplace. What does flexibility mean? Working three days in office. What that implies and what that is focused on is actually the corporate community. Who's coming down to corporate HQ? That's actually not the question here. And that's also not the question for the vast majority of workers in America. The amount of people who could actually go fully remote during COVID at any time was in the teens. That's a very limited view of what flexibility means and the the population here. So the biggest mistake is having this narrow focus on the folks who sit probably around a CHRO's office. And hopefully that's not um, unfair to say, but look more towards your front lines, look into the stores and innovate there almost at a faster rate than you need to in corporate. Because at the end of the day, the folks in your stores on the front lines are the the lifeblood of your organization. And if they're leaving and you just have a corporate staff left, you're not going to sell much. And they're not all the same, right? I think that is the, the, the other point is understand what your what your frontline employees are looking for and how that differs by even within your population. Because what matters to some is not what matters to all of them. And so there is there's no there's no average frontline retail employee, both across all the frontline retail, but even within the retailer. And so understanding what drives them and being able to both pick the interventions for each of your different subgroups, uh, but also communicate them in a coherent way. Um, all the way through the managers, 
um, is what is what can make a difference here versus picking individual interventions, but not quite not quite connecting the dots and building the story, which is what we sometimes see happen. There's another example that comes to mind, and this is actually one of the largest frontline employers. And this particular uh, company also decided that they needed to understand what mattered most to their particular workforce. And they found a couple of things. First is that their workforce was, not surprisingly, quite heterogeneous. And so the, the needs varied quite a bit depending on segment of the workforce. There was, for example, the student who was in high school or college um, who had entirely different needs than the person who was uh, juggling a couple of jobs and, and raising a family. And as they dug into this, they found that the needs varied quite a bit by uh, segment of the workforce, and they were able to create a tailored value proposition, an, an employee value proposition, an EVP, much like we talk about a customer value proposition, uh, that appealed to a couple of these different groups. It related back to their labor strategy and their talent strategy in terms of who they were going to recruit and who would have the best chance of succeeding at this particular company, but it was grounded in research that understood what were the needs of the different segments of their workforce. Brian, I think that's a really important element of this story, which is understanding your population. What are the archetypes in your population and how to actually address those personas? And as we look at the broader research that's being refreshed, they do talk about personas a lot. And this element is actually equally true within frontline retail. And to Annie's point, you start seeing the emerging personas. How old are your employees? One more example that I think is worth sharing is another large frontline retail employer started building continuing education opportunities for their employees, which is fantastic. But as they started to roll this out, they were pushing a lot of college credits. What they noticed over time is this program actually wasn't getting that much adoption and usage. They found that their workforce had actually been aging over time, and a lot of them actually had college diplomas already. So offering potential college degrees or credits to folks who already had a college degree wasn't all that helpful. So they had to reconstitute their program based on their specific employees about what they actually wanted, what they wanted to take advantage of. And it wasn't college credits. It was master's credits and actually working towards a fully different set of skills, but it gets to a lot about knowing who your employees are and what they want. One thing that we think retailers can do right away is look at the work that you're asking your frontline employees to do. During COVID, over the past two to three years, a lot of activities got added to frontline employees, right? A lot of activities around curbside and buy online, pick up in store and fulfill online orders from the store. Um, and it was different because there weren't as many customers in the store. Now that customer traffic is back up, employees are still doing these additional activities. Um, and so they're getting burned out that their satisfaction is going down. And so take a look at what are you asking them to do now? Um, and what of that work can be simplified, removed quickly um, so that that dissatisfaction and that sustainability of the job can be improved. Putting it all together, we saw four imperatives. The first is understand your frontline labor pools and what matters most to them and build 
an employee value proposition that would resonate with the needs of those particular employees. The second is on this notion of flexibility. There's no way around it. Workplace flexibility is the most important factor in determining whether or not frontline retail employees will stay or go. And the best retailers are innovating and investing in different flexible options for their employees. Thirdly, the role of the manager cannot be overstated. You've got to invest to build strong managers in a development culture. And lastly, simplify frontline retail jobs and make them more engaging. Meaningful work is a top five driver of choice for frontline retail employees. And that includes things like being aligned to the mission and purpose of the organization. Is the work stimulating or is it boring? What's the social element of the work itself? The most innovative frontline retail employers are investing behind technology to automate the rote activities and freeing up time and energy for higher value add and more meaningful roles uh, in stores. So in summary, understand your frontline labor pools and building a, a distinctive employee value proposition that caters to them. Innovate to offer flexibility. Invest in strong managers and build a development culture and simplify and, and make frontline retail jobs more engaging. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the McKinsey on Consumer and Retail podcast. A transcript of this conversation will be posted on mckinsey.com very soon. To suggest topics for future episodes, email us at consumer underscore podcast at mckinsey.com. To stay connected with us, subscribe to our email alerts on mckinsey.com. Thanks again for listening.